is a Kansas Memory, a Kansas State Historical Society podcast featuring glimpses of Kansas history from documents in the Library and Archives collections. Robert Layer enlisted in the U.S. Navy in 1939 and was assigned to the North Island Naval Air Station in San Diego when he resigned his commission to join the American Volunteer Group. This was a covert operation that served with the Chinese Air Force under U.S. General Claire Chennault. Since it was organized before the U.S. declared war on Japan, the pilots were technically working for a private military contractor to guarantee that supplies reached the Republic of China's armed forces through Burma during the Japanese occupation of eastern China. They were also known as the Flying Tigers, and the fronts of their planes were emblazoned with shark's jaws. Layer secretly married his sweetheart, Marion Ruth Ailey, before he sailed for China. Mr. Layer, what branch of the service were you in? Uh, I had my training in the Navy. And uh, I went to Pensacola in 1939, was commissioned in 1940, and was assigned uh, to a patrol plane, the Flying Boat Squadron in uh, San Diego, North Island, where I continued training and became a patrol plane commander in uh, BP-12. And then in the uh, summer of 1941, they came looking for volunteers to go to China. And uh, so I volunteered to go to China and uh, fly uh, pursuit planes defending the uh, supply routes to China. Now this was six months before Pearl Harbor. So we had to resign our commission because we couldn't go in uniform. We were not at war. So we, uh, the, uh, up, uh, the uh, they called the American Volunteer Group, and it was financed by uh, the land lease money to help in China. But we were attached to the Chinese Air Force because uh, we were not at war. But uh, Washington, through the Pentagon, uh, they controlled the whole operation and, uh, and the monies came back. It was a covert operation, which goes on all the time. And so uh, <clears throat> I spent a little over a year there and came back and went back into the Navy. And uh, they had just uh, started the Naval Diplomatic Run flying from New York to Europe, to Africa, to South America, and back in these four-engine flying boats. And having been in flying boats, uh, it uh, was a natural. But it was another one of these operations that we were going into neutral countries, into Ireland and Portugal and uh, Africa and South America, which were not at war. So we could not go in there in uniform. So the Navy put us on inactive duty and put us in airline uniforms. <laughs> so, uh, so that was a different experience too. Uh, we'd be in Dublin or Lisbon and uh, you'd go out to dinner and maybe two or three tables over would be the German legation or the uh, Japanese legation. And, uh, and you'd be back in uh, New York a week later with all the hate propaganda. 
made you realize that uh, it isn't people that, uh, that uh, go to war, it's governments. About how they informed you about the China. Well, uh, <coughs> FDR and Churchill at a meeting in early 1941, the Battle of Britain was over, and Germany had uh, turned uh, to fight Russia. And at this time, the Japanese had been encroaching on China for about, uh, since about 1934. In fact, they controlled the entire eastern seaboard of China. There were no seaports open. And uh, when uh, Churchill and uh, Churchill, uh, the British had so many uh, possessions in the Far East. Uh, of course, they had uh, uh, Singapore, Burma, India, and uh, Hong Kong. And uh, the Japanese were rapidly taking over, and they decided they'd better help the Chinese because they had no air force or uh, well, no protection. So they decided, uh, Britain decided, they could give up some of their land lease supplies and, and help China. But uh, the question became, uh, if you're going to help, you've got to get the supplies there. And there was no way to ship them by sea and into Eastern China. The, the uh, supplies had to be shipped to Burma or India and then taken uh, either by truck over the Burma Road or flown over what they call the hump. And uh, so they, uh, <coughs> they knew that uh, in order to keep that supply road open, they had to protect it because uh, without any air force, the uh, Japanese could come over and uh, bomb a few bridges, and it was just a one-way road across the Himalayas. And uh, consequently, uh, uh, they, they, they needed protection if they were going to get any supplies in there. And uh, that's, that was the uh, uh, thought behind the recruiting of the American Volunteer Group. And uh, the British uh, uh, allowed uh, the Chinese to have an air base in central Burma, where when we uh, shipped over, we were there, and uh, that's where Chenault trained us in, in the tactics. And he'd been over there for four years after he retired from the uh, Army Air Corps. Uh, <coughs> Madam Chang, uh, talked him into coming over and, and trying to do something with their Chinese Air Force, but uh, they couldn't get equipment or anything. And uh, they, uh, But Chenault had been there for four years and studied the uh, Japanese and knew their tactics, knew their equipment. And uh, our schooling, we had about uh, uh, almost three months of schooling there in Burma. and. Uh, the tactics that, uh, the strategy that uh, Chenault had uh, developed was very successful. Uh, that was the reason for our big success. And of course, uh, 
we were one bright spot when everything else was going to pot there. What kind of tactics did you use then that were... Well, for instance, uh, 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 the airplane we had was a wonderful airplane that only had one drawback. It did not have a, what they call a supercharger, high blower. So we were limited to about 20,000 feet. Now the Japanese, well, we had uh, allowed them to build uh, our right motors with supercharger. So they could go up to 28 to 30,000 feet. Mm -hmm. And so they uh, had an advantage. And they were not as well, they were much lighter and could outmaneuver us. So Chenault taught us to not try to dogfight with them at all. And uh, the, a lot of the books have, uh, say that uh, Chenault was the man who uh, had developed what they, uh, we call now drive-by shooting. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, he taught us to dive through their formations mm -hmm. and, uh, and uh, do what damage you could. And then we, we could always dive away. They couldn't catch us in a dive at all. And, uh, well, we had better firepower, uh, and uh, we had self-sealing uh, gasoline tanks, and we had armor plate. Well, the Japanese were lighter. Uh, they did not have self-sealing tanks, and they did not have armor plate. And they were very vulnerable to, if we could uh, hit them with a few incendiaries, uh, they became a... a Roman Campbell in a hurry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so his tactics uh, proved uh, we uh, we only lost uh, four actual uh, casualties in, in combat and uh, destroyed over 300 Japanese uh, in the air and uh, they say probably uh, another uh, those damage that didn't get home several hundred more. Got to see you. When we signed up to go, we signed up as unmarried uh, uh, person, and uh, Marion and I had been engaged for. Uh, when I went to Pensacola, you couldn't get married for two years, and uh, my two years was up in August of '41. We had a wedding all planned. Marion had her dress picked out and her bridesmaid things and so forth when I decided to go to China. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just about blew it. <laughs> but her mother talked us into getting secretly married. So we were secretly married with the family before uh, I went over. And uh, I found out there were about four or five others that had done the same thing. Really? And, uh, <laughs> in fact, when uh, Life magazine came over and took a bunch of pictures of us and, uh, in uh, 41, and uh, Marion was uh, having quite a social life in Colorado Springs at her mother's when these came out and, and uh, announced that we'd gotten married. I, oh uh, my! I kind of threw a monkey wrench into her social life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is, and this is the March yeah. 30th, 1942 yeah. Life magazine. Oh yeah. my goodness, how beautiful.
Yeah, there's a lot of You get a whole there. spread on your pockets yeah. of Burma. Uh-huh. Our group. There I am in the Jeep. This magazine is uh, hard to come by because, not because of us, but because Shirley Temple on the front. <laughs> in fact, Bobby ran on the one uh, in New York uh, here uh, some time ago and they won $60 for it. Oh my! <laughs> In July 1942, after the U.S. was at war with Japan, the American Volunteer Group was absorbed by the U.S. Air Force 23rd Fighter Group, part of the 14th Air Force. Lair rejoined the Navy as a Lieutenant J.G. and became an airline transport captain in the Naval Diplomatic Run. When the war ended, Lair flew commercial jets to Western Europe for American Airlines and then Pan Am before he and his family moved to Hayes, Kansas in 1952. He farmed there until his death on November 17, 2006. This interview is part of the World War II Veterans Oral History Grant Project that was funded by a bill passed by the 2005 Kansas Legislature. It was conducted on March 8, 2006 by Judy Walker at the Ellis County Historical Society. This has been a Kansas Memory, a Kansas Historical Society podcast. The documents used in this podcast are from Kansas Memory, a virtual repository of primary sources from our collections. The URL for this website is www.kansasmemory.org.